Well, welcome everybody to week seven of our virtual church. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm about done with this. I'm ready to have real church again. Uh, we might have to get arrested, but uh, I'm ready to have real church. So uh, I know most of you are feeling the same way I am. Uh, let me also say this. Sorry about the sound quality there. We don't know what was going on, but something was drastically wrong during worship. So hopefully you were able to just turn the volume down and somehow worship with us during that. Uh, and uh, pray for next week. There's always another week. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 8. I want to talk about the storms of life because we are going through a storm. I think probably every pastor in the nation over these last seven weeks has preached out of this text, but I want us to look at it together today. Matthew chapter 8, beginning in verse 23, we'll read down through verse 27. It says, Now when he got into a boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're perishing. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the waves and the sea, and there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, Who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? May the Lord bless the reading and the hearing and the preaching of his word this morning. So let me just say a couple of things about storms that we can see from this text, particularly this storm, but the storms that we go through, the storms of life. The first is that Storms come even when we are closely following after Jesus. Notice it said there in the text, it said in verse 23, Now when he got into, into the boat, his disciples followed him, he being Jesus. Jesus gets in the boat, and they are closely following after Jesus. I want you to know this, that there is no exemption from storms, even for the followers of Christ. I'm sure the disciples must have been thinking at this point, this shouldn't be happening. We're following Jesus. Jesus is with us. A world without storms is called heaven. As long as we are on this earth, this fallen earth, we are going to encounter storms. I love the footnote in my Bible. It says this. It says, problems occur in every area of life. The disciples needed rest, but they encountered a terrible storm. The Christian life may have more stormy weather than calm seas. As Christ's follower, be prepared for the storms that will surely come. So the first thing this text tells me is, look at even if we're following hard after Jesus, storms still come our way. It's a result of living here on earth. In fact, there are three boating incidents in Scripture, this being one of them. The other one comes, one of the other ones, comes in Luke chapter 5. And it's where Jesus tells them, hey, throw your nets on the, uh, throw your nets out. And they said, Lord, we've been fishing all night, we haven't caught a thing. But because you tell us, we're going to throw it. So they throw their nets, and the catch was so big that when they tried to pull it in, you know what happened in the story, right? The boat began to sink. Now, the third instance is probably the most popular one. And that's the one in Matthew's gospel, chapter 14. It's, uh, it's also in Mark's gospel, I believe. But it says, it's where Peter walks on water. It's a, it's a little lengthy portion of scripture, but I want to read it so you hear it. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat. Now, I want you to see again. The first time, they were following after Jesus. This time, this Peter incident, it said, Jesus made them get in the boat. So, how many of you know that 
Jesus knew the storm was coming, but he still had his disciples follow him into the storm. Interesting. So anyway, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening had come, he was alone there. But the boat was in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost, and they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come. Come out onto the water. He said, Come. When Peter had come out down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said, O ye of little faith, why did you doubt? Interesting, Jesus said that both times. O ye of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. So here's what I wanted you to see by telling you all three of those boating incidents in the New Testament. In each one of those, in all three of those, they were doing exactly what Jesus said to do. And they were following him. Jesus said, do this. They did it. They were following him. And what happened? They went right into a storm. So storms are part of life, even for followers of Christ. It shouldn't surprise us. Second thing I want you to see is that this storm just seemed to come out of nowhere. It said there in Matthew chapter 8, which we read, in verse 24 it said, And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. Here's, here's what I noticed in Scripture. That whenever that word suddenly occurs, God is about to do something. And suddenly, a great tempest arose on the sea. So, here's the deal. When suddenlies happen, God is up to something. You remember when the shepherds in the New Testament were out in the fields keeping watch over their flock by night, and suddenly there was with them an angel of the multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the eyes, you know that story. That suddenly was Jesus, the Savior, was about to be born. There suddenly was Jesus' coming. In Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 2, you remember they were all together on the day of Pentecost, they were all in one room, and it says, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. What happened in that suddenly? Well, the church was born, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. How about in Acts chapter 9, when Saul was threatening the church. It said he was breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord. And he's heading near Damascus, and suddenly there shone round about him a light from heaven. What was his suddenly? His suddenly was a call to ministry. Oh, in Acts chapter 16, when Paul and Silas are in jail in, in Philippi, they were there, they're singing praises to the Lord at midnight, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken there suddenly was freedom from captivity and the salvation of souls. So, I don't know about you, but I feel like this coronavirus came suddenly. It was a sudden thing. It was like one day life was completely normal, and the next day, it, everything changed. I mean, one week we're having church, normal church, 
And the next week, we're meeting in this building with a handful of us doing this live stream. It was a suddenly. So here's what I think is happening. I think out of our suddenly, just like we see all through the New Testament, I think out of our suddenly that God is going to do something amazing. I, I have a feeling that after this, this thing is over, that churches are going to be full. It's going to be like Easter Sunday all over again, suddenly. So it just seemed to come out of nowhere. Third thing I want you to see about this storm is that it came at the worst possible time. It says there in the text, I'm going to read Mark's gospel. Same story, but from Mark's vantage point, not from Matthew's vantage point. Okay? So they're telling the same story, but they're, te they're telling it from their vantage point. So here's what Mark says. Mark says, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go to the other side. Now, do you notice that in Matthew's gospel, it didn't, it didn't say that. It just said that Jesus got into the boat and his disciples follow him. But Mark says, that day. So what happened on that day then? You know, that day. It was the day after they, it was the day when they had been ministering with Jesus all day long. What happened? They'd been with Jesus, ministering with him, and they were tired. How many of you know that you are uh, far more irritable when you're tired? When storms come and you're tired, it's not a good time for storms to come because you're tired. The second thing it says is that day when evening came. Okay, how many of you know storms are much more frightening at night than they are during the daytime? Right? So it's that day, they're tired. We know they were tired. Jesus fell asleep. Jesus is sleeping through the storm. So they were tired. But that day when evening came, okay, it's nighttime. Okay, you know, if you're out in the water in the middle of the day and the waves are crashing, maybe you can see land and it gives you hope for something. But when it's nighttime, it is so much more frightening. Last week I told you the story about... Um, uh, that 60-foot oak tree in my backyard that came down in a storm that we had a couple of weeks ago, uh, a couple of years ago. So it was that storm that um, it was nighttime, and the wind is just whipping. We can hear just creaking sounds outside. And I have these, I had that 60-foot oak tree there. I have these tall white pines in my, in my yard that just have a tendency to come down all over the place. And sure enough, one of the creaking sounds was particularly loud in the wind, in the storm, at night. And then all of a sudden we heard a large thud and the house shook. So all night long, every time a gust of wind would come and we'd hear a creaking sound, I would, I would run to the window with my giant flashlight that's like a, a beam to, to see which tree was coming down and pray that it wouldn't come down in the, by the window that I was looking out of. It's much worse at night. So what do we know about this storm? It came at the worst possible time. All right, so now let's look at their reaction to this storm. It's, it's our reaction to storms that we face. Their reaction, their initial reaction. Verse 26 in Matthew chapter 8. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? O ye of little faith. Okay, I just happen to think that 
you know, fear is a natural reaction in the middle of storms. I mean, it's kind of a natural reaction. Some of us might be feeling a sense of fear or, or even dread in this coronavirus storm that we're in right now. Second thing we see is that they kind of blame Jesus for what they're going through. It says there, in, in Mark's gospel, when Mark tells the story, Matthew didn't tell it this way, but Mark did, it says, Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. You know, some people can just sleep anywhere. You know, I have to be, when I sleep, I have to be flat on my stomach in my bed with a pillow. You know what I mean? Some people can just, they could sleep in one of these chairs sitting up. Some people can just sleep anywhere. So Jesus is sleeping on a cushion in the, in the middle of the storm, and the disciples woke him up and said, Teacher, I love this, don't you even care? Don't you even care? Isn't that our reaction when things go bad? We just want to blame the Lord. Lord, don't you even care about what I am going through? You know, it reminds me of um, when Lazarus was sick and Jesus didn't go help him. And when Jesus finally went there, you know, Lazarus is dead. And when Martha meets Jesus, she said, Lord, if you had only been here, and then read down, down the, the chapter, when Mary meets their sisters, Mary and Martha, sisters of Lazarus, the guy that was dead, they asked Jesus to come. Jesus finally comes, but it's too late. Lazarus is dead. So Mary says, Martha says, Lord, don't, you know, if you had only been here. And then when Mary comes to see Jesus, Mary says the same exact thing. Lord, if you had only been here. You, you kind of get the sense that they're blaming Jesus for what's going on, just like the disciples are doing in the boat. Lord, don't you even care? So their reaction is our reaction most of the time when we encounter the storms that come our way. It's storms of life. It's, it can be fearful, and we often will blame the Lord. But here's what I want us to see this morning, and I pray that this is an encouragement to all of us. Here's what I think Jesus wanted them to know. Because how many of you know, even if Jesus didn't, you know, ordain the storm, he didn't say, you know, storm come and, you know, put fear into these people, but he knows we're going to encounter storms, so there were some lessons that they learned when they went through it. I, I, think, I think the Lord is probably teaching us all something in this. For me, I know it's patience he's trying to teach me. Here's what I think. When hard times come, we sometimes think that God has abandoned us. But Jesus was with them. So lesson number one, here's what we need to know when we're going through storms, is that he is with us. Jesus said that when he left, he would send us another comforter who would be with us forever. So we know that God is with us by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. I love this verse when Paul wrote to the church at Rome. He said, who can ever keep us from, from Christ's love? When we have trouble or calamity, when we're hunted down or destroyed, is it because he doesn't love us anymore? If we're hungry or penniless or in danger or threatened with death, has God deserted us? No. For the scriptures tell us that for his sake, we must be ready to face death 
at every moment of the day. We're like sheep awaiting slaughter. But despite all of this, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us enough to die for us. For I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from his love. Death can't, life can't, the angels won't, and all the powers of hell itself cannot keep God's love away. Our fears for today and our worries about tomorrow or where we are high above the sky or in the deepest ocean, nothing will ever be able to separate us from the love of God demonstrated by our Lord Jesus Christ when he died for us. I love that verse. And you notice I was reading out of a mod more modern version. That was, the that was the living Bible there. But the footnote in my Bible on that verse says this. These verses contain one of the most comforting promises of all Scripture. Believers have always had to face hardships in many forms, persecution, illness, imprisonment, and even death. These sometimes cause them to fear or that they had been abandoned by Christ. The two things we are reading, talking about in our story, they fear and Jesus was seemingly absent. These sometimes cause us to fear or that we have been abandoned by Christ. But Paul exclaims that it is impossible to be separated from Christ. His death for us is proof of his unconquerable love. Nothing can separate us from Christ's presence. God tells us how great his love is so that we will feel totally secure in him if we believe these overwhelming assurances, we will not be afraid. So lesson number one in the boat, in the storm, is this, is that God is with us. Second thing is that they learned that they can call out to the Lord in their time of trouble. It said, when it, then his disciples came to him, back in Matthew's gospel, they awoke him and said, Lord, save us. In the other storm story that I read, when Peter walked on the water, what happened? He, when he began to sink, what did he do? He cried out to the Lord. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. You remember the story I told you last week, the video I showed you last week, about the guy in the hospital room, and nobody could come in. He cries out to the Lord, and the Lord sent him a cleaner who happened to be a believer that ministered to him and prayed for him, and he recovered, and he cried out to the Lord for a Coke and a bag of chips, and the guy brings, guess what, a Coke and a bag of chips. He, the guy in the hospital room learned what the disciples learned. That in times of hardship and trouble, that's the time we just need to cry out to the Lord. My father-in-law's favorite verse, if you would ask my wife, what's, what's your father's favorite, what was your father's favorite verse? Jeremiah 33, 3. I'm going to read verses 1 through 3. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time when he was shut up in the court of the prison, saying, Thus says the Lord, the maker, the Lord that formed it to establish it. The Lord is his name. Here's his verse. Verse 3. Call unto me, and I will answer you. And I will show you great and mighty things which you do not yet know. Cry out to the Lord. So what did they learn? They learned that Jesus was with them. We need to know that Jesus is with us. Through this storm. And in this storm, what else did they learn? They learned that they needed to just cry out to the Lord. That's what we need to do. We need to just cry out to the Lord. Third thing 
verse 39, Mark's gospel, chapter 4. It says, he arose and he rebuked the wind. And he said unto the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was great calm. This is the major point of the story for me. This, this is the one that makes all the difference. He brings peace in the storm. Now, I want you to notice that there were, there were two separate actions there when Jesus spoke. There were two distinct verbs with regard to the wind and the waves. We often lump them together and presume it was one action, but it was two. First, Jesus rebuked the wind. This is a strong word that indicates chastisement. He was chastising the wind. The second is that Jesus said to the waves, in other words, he spoke to the situation. So here's what I want you to see. Jesus dealt with both the cause and the effect. The wind was causing the problem, and the waves were the result or the effect of the cause. So here's the deal. In our situation, often there is the thing that's causing the problem, and then separately there are the resulting circumstances that are troubling us. For instance, intense worry and anxiety may be our circumstance, but the loss of job would be the cause. But here's the deal. Jesus dealt with both the cause and the effect. So how many of you know that Jesus wants to speak peace into our situation, the wind and the waves. I want to read you a story. I, I told you, I think a few weeks ago, I've been reading this book that I stole out of Ryan, the worship leader. I stole it out of his um, a bookcase. I saw it sitting there and I thought it looked good, so I just grabbed it. Unshakable Hope is the book. I recommend it. If, if, you're, if you're sitting at home bored, by the way, don't tell me that you're bored because I have not been bored through this whole thing. We've been working twice as hard, ten times as hard as, as normal. But anyway, if you are bored, great book, Unshakable Hope. I'm going to read your story out of it. God loves you, and because he does, you can be assured that joy will come. Mary Cushman learned this lesson, this truth. The depression of the 1930s all but devastated her family. Her husband's average paycheck shrank to $18 a week. Since he was given to illness, there were many weeks he didn't even earn that much. She began to take in laundry and ironing. She dressed her five kids with Salvation Army clothing. At one point, the local grocer, to whom they owed $50, accused her 11-year-old son of stealing. That was all she could take, she said. She said, I couldn't see any hope. I shut off my washing machine, took my little five-year-old daughter into the bedroom, and plugged up the windows and cracks with paper and rags, and I turned on the gas heater we had in the bedroom, and I didn't light it. As I lay down on the bed with my daughter beside me, she said, Mommy, this is strange. We just got up a little while ago. But I said, never mind, we'll take a little nap. And then I closed my eyes, listening to the gas escape from the heater. I'll never forget that smell of gas. Suddenly, I thought I heard music. I listened. 
I had forgotten to turn the radio off in the kitchen. It didn't matter now, but the music kept on. And presently I heard someone singing an old hymn. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pains we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. As I listened to the hymn, I realized that I had made a tragic mistake. I tried to fight all my terrible battles alone. I jumped up, turned off the gas, opened the door, and raised the windows. She went on to explain how she spent the rest of the day giving thanks to God for the blessings that she had forgotten. Five healthy children. She promised she would never again be ungrateful. They eventually lost their home, but she never lost her hope. They weathered the depression, and those five children grew up, married, and had children of their own. Now, why did I read you that story? Because the point we were making out of the text is that Jesus can speak peace to our storm when we cry out to him and acknowledge his presence. He can speak peace to our storm. Jesus spoke peace to her storm. She's wanting to commit suicide and take her little daughter with her because it was so bad. But from the other room, she hears the old hymn. What a friend we have in Jesus. Oh. What changed in her circumstances? Nothing. Life was still as miserable as it was before, but Jesus came and spoke peace to her storm. I pray that you're hearing me this morning. Last thing I want to say is this, is that they learned to fear the Lord more than their storm. When we think of fear in this story, we think of their fear of the storm. But I want you to see something. Mark's gospel again, chapter 4. He arose and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Listen to verse 41. And they feared exceedingly. That's the old English version. New International Version says, They were terrified. And said to one another, what manner of man is this that even the wind and sea obey him? The word there that's used for feared exceedingly or were terrified in the NIV. In the Greek, it literally means they feared a great fear. See, at first, they feared the storm. But once they got a glimpse of Jesus, they feared a great fear. You know what that means? It means that, okay, they were afraid of the storm, but they were in awe of Jesus. They were in awe of him. So here's my prayer, that during our storm, that we will learn the life lessons that they had to learn in the midst of their storm, that Jesus was with them, that they could cry out to him in their time of need. And that he could speak peace to their storm, both the cause and the effect. And that this last one here, that 
we would fear the Lord. In other words, be in such awe of the Lord that we wouldn't fear the storm by comparison. How many of you hear me this morning? I pray that you're hearing me this morning. They were in awe of the Lord. So for us, we're in a storm. I don't know what your storm is. Could be financial, marital, relational, health. Could be myriad of storms. Here's what I want you to know. Jesus is with us. By the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, we just have to cry out to him. Continue to cry out to him. Ask him to speak peace to our storm. And here's here's my prayer. My prayer for us is that we would be more in awe of him than we would our storm. Julie, would you come and close us in prayer? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I hope you have an awesome, blessed, blessed week. Amen. Well, God wants us to live in peace. And it says in Ephesians that he is our peace. And so if you don't know him this morning, you can't have true peace. But I pray that you would come to know the God of peace. He cares about the storm that you are facing right now. So Heavenly Father, I do pray that you would be with each and every individual. I pray, Lord, for those right now that are facing 